Welcome to the CSL Olympia podcast. In this episode, you will hear an opening prayer, followed by a talk. You can learn more about us at our website, cslolympia.org. Blessings. So we have a wonderful opening prayer from our practitioner on duty today, uh, Susan Einhorn. Susan. Mm, Good morning. I'd like to begin by lighting our candle. And in lighting this as the reminder that we are not alone ever, that that light of presence is always here, always with us. And that that light is within you as well. And so with my opening prayer, we'll be followed by two minutes of contemplation. And then Brent and Amy will bring us back with some wonderful music. So simply allow yourself to settle in. Mm, Like that beautiful meditation today. And as I breathe in, I am acknowledging that presence, that life, that one life, and that one body that holds all of that life, that is creating it. It is eternal. It is everywhere at once. It is all-powerful, all-loving. Hmm. And because it is creating everything, I know that it is creating me. That all that it is, is within me, living as me right now, wherever I am, whatever I'm doing. That one life, that one mind, that great power of love and creation is right where I am. And because that is the truth of me, I know it is the truth of all there is. Everything, everyone. All is held, all is being created and activated by this one life, this one love, creating good supporting everything that it is creating. And it is living, it is alive. And nothing can distinguish that light. And so with that, as I acknowledge and accept that good that is within me now, I know that I am free. I know that like that leaf, I am not falling. I am jumping, jumping into the arms of that presence, into that life, to roll around in it, to play in it, to experience creation. For I am a part of that, all that is. And so I freely Dance, dance with joy, dance with love, dance with knowing, all is well. And so with great gratitude, I release this. 
knowing that this is the truth of me and all. And I simply say, and so it is. Ah, so good morning once again. It is a great day to be alive. This whole year, we're looking at the idea of living everyday wonder. Living in wonder, living in curiosity, living in openness every day on just the most mundane of things, which, of course, the most mundane things are really the most sacred things, if we can see past the mundanity of them. And so this month, we're working on the idea of play, living everyday wonder as play. And so um, I'm so grateful because I love to play. And... (laughs) Most of you who know me know that about me. Sometimes I have to dial it back a little bit, but it is so much fun to be alive. And so today we're looking at the talk topic of a spoonful of humor is the medicine. A spoonful of humor is the medicine. Most of us came to this kind of a teaching to heal ourselves, to heal our our life outcomes, and perhaps to support uh, the healing of, of others that we care about. And like anything, we view this as important and we take it seriously. We watch our thoughts and our words when we work to shift our beliefs, but we can get very heavy in this process and very, very serious in this process and cut ourselves off from the joy and the playfulness that are the natural attributes of the divine. So, you know, Jack Kornfeld, the Buddhist teacher, says spiritual practice should not not be confused with grim duty. It is the laughter of the Dalai Lama and the wonder born with every child. The laughter of the Dalai Lama, the wonder born with every child. You and I are that. We are laughing saints. We are children born in wonder. And so this is a reminder to continue to be who we truly are. New Thought writer Thomas Trower talks about the seven main aspects of God, the divine spirit, whatever name you want to give it, the seven main aspects. And the first one is is life itself, capital L, life. Without life, there's nothing else going on. So life itself is the first aspect. But the last of the aspects, the last of these seven, as it, and he goes through a progression, is joy. And so life leads to joy. The purpose of life is to experience and express joy. And there are always very serious things happening in the world. Those of us who have been alive for 71 years, or even less, or more, know that there's always something going on in the world. There has been since there have been human beings in any kind of history, and there will probably always continue to be serious, very serious things going on in the world. And while they do need our attention and they do need our love and they do need our caring and our wisdom, we also have to take time to re- to engage in play, laughter, and joy, because if we don't, we build up stress and stress and more stress, which numbs us from our creativity, our true creativity, and results in or contributes to anxiety, irritability, depression, a sense of overwhelm, and all of this then leads to a lack of motivation and a sense of hopelessness. Take a breath. 
our bodies, <coughs> excuse me, also suffer under the influence of stress. And stress can be a recurring cycle. It can be an endless addictive feedback loop. And eventually it impacts our ability to connect with our natural joy and creativity. It's there, but we're so buried and so spun up in this, in this cycle that we don't connect with it. So how do we break that cycle? How do we break out of that? Ernest Holmes tells us we heal thoughts, not people. We heal thoughts, not people. The spiritual person is never sick. Spiritual healing consists of changing psychological thought patterns. It's important to look at the underlying causes that create stress in our lives. It, you know, it does no good to affirm wholeness. I am whole, I am whole, I am healthy, I am healthy, and keep on overworking and keep on overindulging and keep on overly worrying and, and you know, numbing out with substances or spending all of our time plugged into constantly negative news. That doesn't help us. We can do all the affirmations we want, but until we start to shift something, nothing really changes. Underneath our stress-producing behaviors are usually beliefs, beliefs like we're not good enough, and so we must do more and more and more to prove our worth, which is an endless cycle that never resolves. Or there's a distrust of life itself, so that we must constantly be on high alert, you know, red alert, red alert, you know, for our Star Trek fans. Or... There's this idea that if we're not constantly informed, we're not caring people, or we might miss something that we needed to know. It might pass us by and then we'll feel stupid or, or unconcerned. Take a breath. So until we're at peace with ourselves, we won't be at peace with the world. Until we're at peace with ourselves, we won't be at peace with the world. If we want to end war or poverty or limitation of any kind in the world, it begins with ending those things within us. Only when we come from peace can we manifest true peace. Joy, playfulness, and humor break the stress cycle and open us to real creativity. And real creativity produces real solutions, not the same old hashed over, you know, rehashes of the same old things that have not worked for a long time that we keep trying over and over and over again. Real creativity produces real solutions, new solutions. When we can play and laugh, we can rekindle the creative child within us who can see solutions this ever so serious adult will completely bypass. Ernest Holmes says the laughter of a child is as important to the universe as the creation of a planet. The laughter of a child, and that's the child within you and me. The laughter of a child is as important to the universe as the creation of a planet. Spiritual teachers in all traditions have called for us to be as children, to be as little children. Wayne Dyer said, the child in you, like all children, loves to laugh 
and to be around people who can laugh, who can laugh at themselves and life. Children instinctively know that the more laughter we have in our lives, the better. So in addition to our usual change your thinking, change your life, we also have to change our energetic patterns. And we can do this by embracing laughter, playfulness, silliness, out-and-out silliness, and joy. We're going to do a little bit of that right now. One of my favorite little books when I want to lighten my load is, is Garrison Keillor's The Pretty Good Joke Book. And so we're going to play with some things that he wants to share from this that I want to share. A minister, a rabbi, and a priest die and go to heaven. And St. Peter takes him down this long hallway past a number of doors. And as he's approaching one door, he stops him. And he says, you must be very quiet while you pass this door. Because behind this door are the Mormons. And they think they're the only ones here. Why did the religious science practitioner cross the road? This is going to be on the practitioner quiz. Why did the religious science practitioner cross the road? To support the chicken in its search for its own path. A woman goes into a fabric store and asks the clerk for nine yards of material to make a nightgown. The clerk looks at her and says, nine yards is way too much material for a nightgown. And the woman says, I know. But my husband is a Unitarian, and he would rather seek than find. One Sunday morning, a mother went in to wake her son and tell him it was time to get ready for church, to which he replied, I'm not going. Why not, she asked. He said, I'll give you two good reasons. I don't like them. They don't like me. His mother replied, I'll give you two good reasons why you should go to church. One, you're 59 years old. And two, you're the pastor. A priest, a Pentecostal preacher and a rabbi challenged each other to a preaching contest. They would all go out into the woods, find a bear, preach to it, and try to convert it. Two days later, they got back together to discuss the experience. Father Flannery said, well, I read to my bear from the catechism, then I sprinkled him with holy water, and holy mother of God, he was gentle as a lamb. The bishop is coming out next week to give him first communion and confirmation. The Pentecostal preacher, Reverend Billy Bob, said, well, I read to my bear from God's holy word. And I took hold of him, and I wrestled him down to the creek, and I dunked him, and I baptized him, and he became as gentle as a lamb. And we spent the rest of the day praising Jesus. They both looked down at the rabbi, who was in a body cast. The rabbi said, looking back on it, circumcision may not have been the best way to start. Arguing with a religious fanatic or a political extremist is like wrestling in the mud with a pig. After a while, you realize they enjoy it. Two more. 
What do you call a schizophrenic Zen Buddhist? A person who is at two with the universe. Mother Teresa died and went to heaven. God met her and asked if she was hungry. Mother Teresa said, I could eat. So God opens a can of tuna and some rye bread and they share it. And as they're sitting there eating, Mother Teresa looks down into hell and she sees people down there eating huge steaks, lobsters, drinking expensive wine, having delicious looking flaming desserts. And Mother Teresa said, God, I'm really glad to be here in heaven, but why do we just eat tuna and rye bread while down in hell they're eating like kings? God said, well, for just two people, why bother to cook? And finally, a new pastor was out visiting his parishioners one Saturday afternoon. All went well until he came to this one house. And although it was obvious that somebody was home, he knocked and knocked and knocked on the door and nobody answered. Finally, he pulled out his card and wrote Revelations 3-20 on the, on the back and stuck it in the door. The next day, as he was counting the, the offering, he found his card in the collection plate. Below his message was the notation, Genesis 3.10. Revelations 3.20 reads, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Genesis 3.10 reads, And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So notice how you're feeling right now. Perhaps a little lighter, perhaps a little more expanded, perhaps a little sillier. If you didn't like any of the jokes, you can laugh at the minister for being so silly. That's the effect of laughter on your body and your on laughter on your energetic level. If you want to embody the shifts in thoughts, beliefs, and behavioral changes, embrace joy, embrace playfulness. Daily laughter, real belly laughter, real honest-to-God laughter literally changes the body and mind. Catherine Ripperger Fenwick says, your body cannot heal without play. Your mind cannot heal without laughter. Your soul cannot heal without joy. The Neural Leadership Institute says laughing swaps the cortisol in our bloodstream with highly sought after chemicals in the brain, dopamine, oxytocin, and endorphins. And dopamine especially uh, enhances learning and motivation. And this helps us embody the changes, take them in and make them real in thinking and behavior that we want to make permanent. So whether it's laughter yoga, a night in the com at a comedy club, watching humorous YouTube videos, a conversation with your funniest and silliest friend, that might be me for a couple of you, or a funny movie, laughter really is the medicine, especially in times like these when there's so much opportunity to engage in stress and worry and anxiety and all that. Laughter, playfulness, and joy will help you to energetically keep you, will help keep you energetically clearer and thus more effective in life.
And so your practice, and thank you for all the birthday wishes. I see them. I'm still paying attention to the talk. Your practice this week is I encourage you to explore the profoundly supportive and healing aspect of laughter and joy in your life. Find something every day this week that gets you belly laughing. I mean, belly laughing, real laughter, and see how it changes you. And then the second part of this practice is while you're experiencing the uplift of laughter, take a look at the more stress-inducing aspects of your life and see if there's one habit, one thought, one belief that you can shift to support your own health of body, mind, and heart. Exploring the humor, and then while in that state of playfulness, take a look at something that might be stress-inducing in your life and see if there's something you can do to shift that. Are we good with that this week? I always love it when your spiritual practice is laugh. I'm going to close with a story. This story came from um, <clears throat> before uh, this week. I just want to let you know that. You'll understand in a moment. Tom Brady and Russell Wilson die, <clears throat> die and go to heaven. God takes Tom Brady on a tour, finally arriving at a little two-bedroom house with a faded Patriots banner hanging from the front porch and a Buccaneers signed on the lawn. God says, Tom, this is your house. You know, most people don't get their own houses up here. So Tom takes a look at the house, and as he turns around, he notices a huge mansion on the hill. It has Seahawk flags lining the sidewalks, a huge 12-man flag hanging, flying at the very top of the mansion, and number three Seahawk jerseys hanging between all of the marble columns. Rather myth, Brady says, hey, how come I get this little two-bedroom house and Russell gets that huge mansion? And God says to him, oh, Tom, that's not Russell's house. That's mine. Have an affirmation to help to anchor this in. Say this with me. I play and laugh as spirit, revealing my wholeness. One more time. I play and laugh as spirit, revealing my wholeness. And so it is.